Amen. God's presence is here. Uh, it is, he's leading us to just walk in joy before him. Uh, today, as we dig into God's word, um, I want to take a look back at where we were last week. This is a two-part message, and um, have you ever gotten into a car and, and maybe there's something wrong with the, the transmission or something, and all of a sudden takes off? Like really, anybody that ever happened to you? Or this one time I had a student, um, a former student, I was a youth pastor, and he grew up and got older, and uh, he was into redoing cars, and he built this car, he picked the car, He's, I, it was an ugly car, I'm like, why did you pick this car? He says, it has the largest engine space available for me to put the biggest engine possible in it. And I was like, oh. And I'm like, these giant wheels in the back, what's going on? It's like, these are the biggest wheels possible for this car, because that's what this engine needs to make this car go. I was like, all right, well, thanks for taking me for a ride. And I, I, his goal was to scare me, to get me to pee a little. And it worked. I don't want to do that to you today, uh, to get going into this like full speed ahead, because this message could do that. So let's just take a minute to just review where we were last week. Talking about happiness trash last week. The trash that's out there that we tend to put in our bucket, right? And think that uh, if I carry this around, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make me so happy. And so Paul talks about some of the treasures that he had. He had prest- or pedigree. Remember that? Pedigree. I come from a great line of people. And I come from wonderful things, and I'm blessed, and I was raised right, and, you know, I, I, things have been good for me. I'm, I'm good. That was Paul. He had a great pedigree. Uh, he was trained by all the right people, uh, given the right privileges, uh, went to the right schools, had the right parenting. And some of us may get think, that's me. I'm just great because of what I've been placed into. God must love me more. No. Take the pedigree out and dump it. It's trash right? It's garbage. Or maybe you have bad pedigree. You came from all the wrong places, raised all the wrong ways, told to do all the wrong things, right? And you think that's going to ruin your happiness because it's in your bucket. Guess what? Jesus took it out. It's trash. It's gone, right? Pedigree, nothing. Performance. You may have had a great performance. You may think that God has a good reason to be pleased with you. I would argue with that, but or you may have had a really bad performance and think that God has every right to just squish you like a bug every day because of what you've done and who you who you've been involved with and what what's going on in your. No, it's trash. Take it out. Whether it be good performance or bad performance, throw it out. The pleasures of this world. You may have taken part in a lot of them. You may have taken part in very little of them. Or the treasures you have are the good treasures, like a good marriage and a good family. And you think you're going to get happiness from the pleasures of this world, both good and bad. Just remember, that's trash too, compared to what's supposed to be in the bucket, right? Possessions, I've got all the right stuff, right? If I just get this, I'll be happy. If I have a bigger house, if I have a nicer yard, if I have a better something. I'll be happy. Don't count on that. That's not happiness, right? And the last one is prestige. If these people would just honor me and, you know, tell me I'm, I'm the right kind of person in the right kind of position, and I just am, become more impressive, I would get prestige. None of those things are valuable. 
We need to let him go, put him aside, and say, I'm going to relax in the grace of God, the lazy river flowing through my heart, and be at peace there. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison's doors, set the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing right through me. Get in, enjoy it. Splash it on, right? We've got grace poured all over us. And the third thing is this, remember what is important. And that leads us into today's topic. Remember what is important. And so we're going to pick off, pick up right where we left off. And it's this. Every day, if you want to find happiness, despite all the stuff that was in the trash, and you want to find real happiness, the challenge today, experience Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that in one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And so knowing Christ is what brings us happiness. Not another bigger TV, right? Not victory at Xbox with all the, uh, the stickers and the awards and the prizes they give you, right? So I should have the youth down here for this. But not, none of those things, those prestiges, those other awards, none of that stuff brings happiness. It's experiencing Jesus. So the amplified version, anybody know about this little teacher moment again? The amplified version uh, really throws out the rules of saying things concisely and, and putting them into nice, biteable pick, you know, things, right? Biteable phrases. It really just blows that out of the water, and it ignores the whole principle of having a sentence without running on, okay? And so this, it does a really good job of trying to explain to you what the author meant. And there are five words at the beginning. I want to know Christ, right? I want to know Christ. How many words does the Amplified Version use to say those five words? 33, right? Six point something something times. The amount of words that it was said in, it says more. The Amplified Version really wants you to understand that this is a deep, meaningful, hearty phrase. And so it says this, for my determined purpose is that I may know Christ, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more strongly and more clearly. I want to know Christ. So I'll read it again a little faster. My, for my determined purpose is that I might know Christ, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more strongly and more clearly. So that's a long and good explanation. It paints the picture of someone who's obsessed. Have you ever been obsessed with loving something or someone? You're obsessed. You, and first time you fell in love, anybody fallen in love before? Wake up, what's the, what do you start thinking about? Oh, they exist. I might see them today. I hope I get to see them and talk to them for hours and sit by them at the 
in the, uh, in the assembly today, and I'll buy them flowers. And you just, and I, I'm going to talk, and I'm going to learn about them. I'm going to know everything. That's, this, is, this is that kind of obsession, like never stopping obsession. So he says, I want, I want to know Jesus. I want to be obsessed with him. I want to, to dwell with him and be with him all the time and always know what's on his mind and what he's thinking and what he's feeling. I want to know him. It's a long-lasting, passionate desire to know and experience Jesus. That's what it's saying. i got to admit, that's not always my walk with Jesus. Right? Anybody else know that too? That... As easy it is to sometimes fall in love, it's easy to fall out of love and fall in love with something else. It happens, right? We need to turn our eyes back to Jesus and to fall deeply in love with him. He is the soul-satisfying treasure. Jesus is the answer to the longing in your heart. It isn't trash that we need. It isn't the garbage. We need Jesus. He's the answer. There's a Christian artist named Shane and Shane, and these guys are great uh, at singing just praises and songs to Jesus. And uh, they have this lyric in the song called The Answer. It goes like this. I've tried more of me, and I've come up dry. Trading you for things, things that go away. My happiness is found in less of me and more of you. I have found the answer is to love you and be loved by you. You crucify me and the world to me, and I will boast only in you, all right? Yeah. I'm so satisfied at the thought of you growing up in me, covering everything. So that, that song, I just was listening to that while I was writing this message this week, And it spoke to me that that's what my desire needs to be, is him growing up and covering all of me and pushing out all of me so that I become more like him. That is what fulfillment is. It is literally being fulfilled by Christ. Amen? And so that's the goal. If you've placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know what this is, right? That moment where we first come in, how many of you remember the day of your salvation? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The day that Christ came in and moved in you. Your soul was saved. Your spirit is set free. Your past is forgiven. Your future is secured. And the treasure of heaven takes up residence in your very being. If you haven't given your life to Jesus yet... I don't know if that sounded good to you, but it is so good to have that with Jesus. To say, all that I was is gone. And all that I can be is what God calls me to be. My past, everything that I once was, and everything that happened, and everything that I partook of, all the sin and all the evil and all this is gone. I I don't have to be afraid or guilty anymore. I just walk free. And my future is not dark or scary. It's glorious. Because of what Christ has given me. There's this picture in the Bible. How many of you know that the Bible has a lot of guy stories? You know what I'm talking about? 
It's just a lot of guys, oh, 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 you know, has some awesome stuff, and this guy slayed this giant, and this guy called down this fire, and this guy did this, and, and the Bible is filled with a lot of masculinity. How many of you got, know what I'm talking about, right? And, and that, there's this really beautiful analogy or this picture or this metaphor that comes up when Christ enters into our world. And it starts with a guy named John the Baptist, right? And he says this, I am only the best man at a wedding. And he begins to introduce the idea that the church is the bride. And all the masculinity gets sucked out of the room, right? And Jesus is coming and we don't get to put on, together we don't put on the male tuxedo, right? We put on the wedding dress. And this is for, guys just know that this might feel awkward to you, okay? But women have felt awkward for most of the Bible, right? But this is their, this is the feminine moment, right? Where, and I'm not saying let's get involved in this cross dress. No, I don't want to, no, none of that. But I want to say that, that we, we are called the bride of Christ together. Together we are the bride of Christ and we are invited into a, a, a relationship with Jesus that is that close and that privileged, right? That intimate. And so we need to remember that when you wake up in the morning, don't ignore your spouse, right? Don't just move on. I just, that's really bad marriage advice to play, uh, to, to give someone the silent treatment, or to treat them like they don't exist. That's a fast path to some scary stuff in a marriage. Well, the same is true that we as a body of believers have a relationship with Christ that is supposed to be intimate and regular and on a daily basis. You are married even if you don't wear a wedding ring. If you came to Christ, you're in a close relationship with him. And so I encourage you and I, I challenge you to, to embrace that picture that every morning I'm going to spend time with my Jesus. Each moment when you start your day and every moment thereafter, the groom is saying, let's do this together. So this is what he invites you into, a relationship with him. Spend time with the groom every morning. Fall in love. Take 10 minutes to turn your eyes on Jesus and set your heart towards him. But in order to do this, there's two, you, you can't be trapped. And I want to talk about two traps before we continue. The first trap is this. The, de the devil uh, wants to get you involved in something. In fact, the devil wants to get you involved in anything he can that isn't Jesus. Anything. It can be some very, very good, very fun, very semi-fulfilling stuff. But the trick is, is it's not Jesus. It's busyness and it's distraction. And that's what the devil's, I think, first offer to someone who's in Christ is. Is he doesn't have to get you in the darkest, deepest, scariest sin possible. He will happily settle for anything that gets you to take your eyes off Jesus. And look on the stuff that you feel you need to do or participate in, or start, or finish. That's his first goal, is just get your eyes 
off of the groom onto something else. Be careful every morning when you wake up, don't run to your agenda or your to-do list or any of that stuff. Just say, I'm married, I have a spouse, and he's awake already, and he wants to talk to me, and he wants to do this life together, right? And so don't let the busyness and the distraction and the chaos of your life run over your relation, into your relationship with Jesus. Turn your eyes on him. Be still for a moment. Let go. Put the agenda aside. Sometimes I have to, I have a bunch of things in my head. I have to write down a few of them and then slide them off and I say, I'll see you later. I'm going to go talk to the groom, right? I'm going to go talk to the one whom I'm supposed to be in close relationship with. Does anybody like sci-fi? Raise your hand. Science fiction, fantasy, you know, all that crazy. I love the idea of being this close to a doorway that takes me to another world. Far, far away from all of the cares of this life and the concerns that I have. And I want to challenge you when you wake up in the morning to think of a big, thick, heavy curtain. Just close your eyes and notice that there is a tear in that curtain that started at the top and goes all the way to the bottom. And on the other side of that curtain is a place far, far away far away from the cares of this world or the concerns. It is the holy of holies. And I just want to challenge you to when you wake up in the morning, put all the cares aside and go to another place. Slip through the curtain and walk in. And who's going to meet you as soon as you step in? He's right there. He's right there. He's up and ready to talk. Ready to talk about what you went through yesterday, what might happen today, right? But he's really to talk, ready to talk about who you are and give you that redemptive message that you need to hear, like today, yesterday is gone. Today is ready for you. I'm ready for you. Let's do this together, right? Step in. Get a hug in the morning, right? Say hello. And then let him go in with you and worship the Father. Dad, we're here to do your will. We're here to accomplish what you've set us to do. And I got a lot of stuff I think I need to do, but I left that behind. I just want to be with you. And so that's what fills us. And then when you, when you walk out of the holiness of holiness, holy of holies, walk with Jesus. He goes with you. He was sent forth into this world, and he goes with you to go and do the Father's will. So that's what uh, helps me is those pictures that remind me. I think imagination is a very good thing. But I think sometimes our imagination can give us a clue as to what's happening spiritually and what we're invited into. So use it. Picture it every morning. Slip into the Holy of Holies and know that you belong there, that he, was, he made a way for you to be there. Picture Jesus putting on his righteousness over you, taking an alpha and your robes are white, right? And, and celebrate that time with Jesus. That brings us true, deep joy. 
And so after you spend time with Jesus and after you, after you experience him, then we need to dedicate ourselves to him. Right? That's the next thing that Paul leads into. He says, I don't mean to say that I've achieved, in Philippians 3.12, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. I press in, and I want to become more like Jesus. So it's, it's putting on Christ in the morning and walking in him. And so I have some words to, to describe this to you. Um, do you pray like Jesus? Do you believe like Jesus believes? Do you think like Jesus thinks? Do you study like Jesus studies? Do you listen the way Jesus listens? Do you feel the way Jesus feels? Do you see the way Jesus sees? Do you love the way Jesus loves? Do you speak the way Jesus speaks? Do you respond the way Jesus responds? Do you relate to people the way Jesus did? Do you plan like he did? Do you act like he did? Do you worship like he did? Do you rest like he did? Many of you know that before I came to this church, we were starting a church plant, right, and experimenting with some new ways of doing church and being a church and seeing what was happening. And one of the things we did was we spent about two years' worth of curriculum walking in the life of Jesus, using our imaginations to picture what it would be like to be with him and who was there and what were the surroundings and what, what was the place like and what were the smells like. And we used our imagination to, to bring that scripture and try to think like what would it be like to be there? What would be the emotional intensity of the moments of the Bible? And the more we did it, the more we began to experience Christ. Um, one of the ladies that went to church with us, she says, she said, when I went to church, I felt like I spent time with Jesus that day. And that was the greatest thing in the world. And I would encourage you to do the same. If you want, um, I can give you the life of Jesus, 256 events. We only got through 90 of them in two years. But I got 252 to 256, depending on if you split certain things, events, where you, right? But if you want them in order that they happen and you just want to walk with Jesus and experience them, I can give you some resources to help you do that, right? It's an awesome journey to experience Christ in that way, becoming more like him. The more you know how he thought and how he felt and the more you, way you, you immerse yourself in his life and his teachings, the more you start to think like him and feel the way he felt. In our self-righteousness, we can look at someone caught in adultery and be judgmental and critical. But remember how Jesus treated and felt, people, felt towards people caught in terrible, embarrassing sins. He reached out with love, right? And so when we spend time with Jesus, we learn the way that he wanted us to walk. And we got to try to do that. But let me give a warning. 
don't let it get legalistic. Like, I have to be exactly like Jesus in every single, you know, every single situation, and if I don't, it's an embarrassment, and I'm ashamed of myself. Don't do that, right? Remember, the first thing we do is spend time in the river of grace, right? He's forgiven us. He set us free. Walk with Jesus, but know that there's a trap set for you, and the devil's going to try and take advantage of it, is that there's going to be disappointments and discouragements the more you try to be like Jesus. You're going to feel like you disappointed God or you did it wrong. We, we're human beings. We drift and we wander. We get distracted. We're tempted. We fall into sin. We get in selfish living. We feel like failures. We feel gross. We feel like we're a disappointment and we're very discouraged. And in that moment, remember, it's not about your ability to be perfect. It's about his ability to be perfect. And his work is finished right? And he's giving it to you. It's not about what you're able to do. Yes, you want to continue to be more like Jesus, but know that Jesus understands that you are weak, right? It says this in Hebrews. Uh, We quoted this verse last week. It fits again, but it says this. We have this high priest who came down and lived and dwelt among us, right? He was with us. It's Jesus. Since Hebrews 4, 14, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He knows what they are. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so... He knows what it's like to be you, right? He knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. He know what it's, knows what it's like to be human. And being in the very nature of God, he did not sin. Right? But he knows our nature. And he died to set us free from it. So accept that anew every day. And be ready to walk in grace and then in his righteousness from that step forward. Whatever person you used to be doesn't matter anymore. Whatever trap you used to be caught in, you're not caught in anymore. Whatever thing was done to you, it doesn't matter anymore. You're free to be who he calls you to be. So open the curtain, walk in, and know that despite how the day went or the lifetime went behind you, you're not a disappointment. He's happy to see you there, and he's happy to start anew with you today right? Then Paul moves away from that, and he says, after, after he says, um, be free from all that, be ready to join with the rest of the body of Christ. He moves really quickly, kind of a quick switch, Philippians 3, 15 to 17. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you agree on some, disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Do this together. Do you get the point? He's not saying you're on your own. We do this Christian life together. We are married to Jesus together. We are the bride of Christ, and he is the groom. We're supposed to be 
together. And that, that idea is critically important in the walk with Jesus. We hold on to the progress that Jesus has made, not by walking alone, but by walking together, agreeing together. We're not on our own. We're the bride together. We must watch over each other and learn from one another. We are so much stronger together. And so I just want to challenge you in that. Um, there's a, a new movement called Dunners. Do anybody know what I'm talking about? Dunners? They're done with church. They didn't like the politics and the problems of their church. And so they decided that they could do this on their own. And I just want to tell you, if you're tempted to be a dunner, don't. Be done with that idea. We are called to be the body of Christ together. When we form groups, get in one. When, you're, when we invite you to pray, come on forward. When we go somewhere together, go with. We're supposed to open our hearts to each other. When someone invites you over to their messy house, go. Right? And when you think, my house is too messy to invite somebody, invite them and let that motivation cause you to clean up a little bit. Right? And then when they come and see the real truth of you sweating with a one-third clean house, the truth can come out a lot easier, right? I'm a mess. I got some dirty situations, but I needed you today. We're together. Get together. The more time you spend with people in Christ, the more strong you sense Christ in your life. So be together. Do this together. Measure how things are going together. Talk about it together. Take a class together. Go to Rock School of the Bible together. There's already waiting for you to encourage you in Christ, right? If there's a class, go to it. Get in it. If there's a prayer, be a part of it. If there's an event, go to it. And go to it with an open heart saying, I'm ready to, who do you want me to hug on, Jesus? Who do you want me to share life with? I want to do this together. Don't do it alone. Don't accept any distance between you and other members of your family. Don't act like an orphan anymore. You're in a family. The last point of today, and I'm going to invite the rest of the band forward here. Come on up. Every day, Paul challenges us to forget what can't be changed. The past is done. And look forward to what's ahead. Look up and beyond to the hills to see what God is bringing you into. Right? Paul says this in verse 3, 13, and 14. I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling me up to heaven. When something's not working 
right or not working well. Uh, as you get older, your body starts to fall apart. Things don't work the way they're supposed to. Ask the Lord for healing over that. But know that we're all heading towards our heavenly home, right? And this, if, you, if your body starts to fail, that's not that bad a news, right? That we are headed towards heaven, and heaven is our home, and we are going, and it's been secured and established, and who I was doesn't matter anymore, and who I'm going to be is the most important thing about me, who I am in Christ and all that he plans ahead of me. Because it's not about my ability to accomplish them. It's about his ability to bring them, give them to me and offer them to me. And so that's what we are so excited about. If you are in Christ, the sins that are in your past, they don't define you anymore. The things that used to hold you captive have no hold on you. It's over. The deformity that other people did to you by damaging you and hurting you and wounding you and, and coming against you and causing hurt, it's done. It's in the past. Don't let that define who God calls you to be today and in the future moving forward. You are free. You are made new. And all of this stuff that happened is no longer getting, doesn't get to determine what's going to happen. Jesus is now over all of you. So I'd like to invite our prayer team forward. As I kind of, as I quote and close with this, this uh, prayer, God says in Isaiah 43, 18, and 19, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm going to invite you forward today if you want to say, I want to be done with something that happened to me or something that I did or a part of my past I want to move beyond. I want to be done with it. It may have been something that was done to you. It was, may have been done, something that was done by you or something that you participated in. But just say, God, I'm leaving this behind. And Paul says he focuses his energy on that. So it's not like you pretend that it didn't happen. You focus your energy on letting it go and saying, God, this is yours. My wife has this exercise that she was talking about when dealing with the thoughts of her past and things that are going on. And she talked about things that we can do to, to get rid of them. And so I'd like to, to kind of present something that you might think through as the thoughts of your past come and they're running, the devil runs them in front of your face or reminds you of something about who you are, what you've done or what was done to you, just grab it and say, this is my past. And in the, in the, just before you enter the holy, holy of holies, there's these 
altars of incense. And what you can do is say, I grab that thought and I turn it into a prayer. And I say, Jesus, I thank you because you forgave me of this or you healed me of this. And I want you to take that thought and put it in this burning altar of incense and let it float to heaven as a prayer and be done with it. Right? These are the prayers of the saints. These are the prayers that praise God for his freedom that he bought for us and then go right into that holy of holies. God, this happened to me. It's yours. I let it go. I now embrace who you call me to be. I'm going to walk forward into my future with you, the groom, and I, the bride, in love, walking together, free from all that once was. We're going to sing a song together. It kind of talks about the fires we've been through, the stuff we've been through. And if you need prayer, the prayer team's up here ready to pray with you. And uh, I want to invite you to do that. So would you stand and let's sing together?